Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. up we have house bill 841 by representative raider uh airman muhammad sammy hatham royal way thank you so much uh, madam chair i know we usually don't allow props but thank you for us uh allowing me to use a prop today members uh this bill uh is for airman muhammad mo sammy hatham uh he was from my district he was from st petersburg florida he was just 19 years old when he ran to danger. Yeah, this was not, I did not realize this bill had been filed. I didn't realize this bill was even being heard in the state house yesterday. But uh, HB 841 being sponsored, as you heard, by Michelle Rayner. Uh, she is the one I've been talking about. She was the uh, very liberal Democrat who uh, cited, was one of the co-sponsors of HB 1, the social media ban bill. Somebody who you don't typically uh, get. You know, I don't get a lot of chance to celebrate the work that she does typically, but I will tell you this was um, this this affected me yesterday when I was watching this. Uh, it was in the um, what was the committee here? It was the Infrastructure and Tourism uh, Committee, and they were talking about renaming a bridge, a huge bridge. I mean, one a portion of it anyway of uh, the Grandy, uh, the yeah, the Gandhi Bridge in. Uh, Tampa St. Pete's like a six mile long bridge, a huge bridge. I think one of the longest uh, auto bridges either in the U.S. or in the world. And uh, portions of it that are in Pinellas County and Hillsborough County are going to be named after uh, Airman Mohatham from the NAS Pensacola attack. The thing that she was talking about at the beginning, the props, is she had his picture, you know, up on the podium as she was speaking. And I'll just tell you, the rest of this is, um, well, here you go. Many of you may have heard uh, what happened at the Naval Air Station in uh, Pensacola. And I know Representative Andrade um, represents this area as well. There was a killer that came onto the base. And instead of running away from danger, Mo decided to run to danger. And he did so to protect the lives of the people on the base. And right before he died, he was able to tell the deputies where the killer was so he could they so the killer could be apprehended. Mo was a patriot, was a true hero. And his mom was there to testify. They don't usually do testimony in a lot of these designations. It's just a you know, this is a name designation for a road. Okay. They don't often have somebody testify for this, but uh, I mean sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But this was his mother was there, Evelyn Brady, to talk about the designation and her deceased son from the terrorist attack. And this is the part you want to just kind of be prepared for. Okay. Uh, Madam Chair, <clears throat> Representative Rayner, um, members of the committee, thank you for allowing me to speak today on behalf of my son. Um, 
Muhammad was um, not born. He's not a native of Florida. He was actually born in um, New Orleans, Louisiana, um, December 16th, 1999. Um, killed in action December 6th, um, 2019, 10 days prior to his 20th birthday. Um, I just wanted to... Muhammad is a true hero. I just wanted to read to you. Um, he was posthumously awarded the uh, Navy Marine Corps Medal, which is the highest non-combat medal um, that a member can receive um, for heroism while serving as a Navy aviation student. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Assigned to Naval Aviation School's command at Naval Air Station, Pensacola, Florida. And then she's talking through the incident that took her son's life. On the morning of December 6, 2019, a foreign military officer undergoing aviation training at the base entered Building 633 with a handgun and opened fire. <sighs> Aware that an active shooter was at large, Petty Officer Hatham entered the building unarmed and with complete disregard for his own safety, attempted to defuse the situation. He located, slowly approached, and confronted the gunman. While speaking with the shooter, Petty Officer Hatham displayed his hands to show no outward signs of aggression. But the gunman fired anyway and killed him instantly. Petty Officer Hatham's action distracted the gunman temporarily, allowing critical time for others to reach safety and law enforcement to arrive and neutralize the threat. By his courageous and actions at the great risk of his own life, Elsa Hayford reflects great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of United States Navy service. And it took her another, you know, 15 or 20 seconds to get even composed enough to finish. Muhammad came to Florida and, um, after I retired, I'm United States Navy retired after 20 years of service. We came to um, Florida in 2008, where this became his home of record. Um, after the incident, Muhammad was, um, they flew Muhammad home. He landed at McDill Air Force Base. Um, McDill Air Force Base, we, um, Took him from McDill to his home, back to his home of record, which is in St. Pierre, Florida. The Gandhi Bridge is a bridge that joins, that ties his military to his home of record. So that's the meaning behind why the Gandhi Bridge. So um, your support of this bill is greatly appreciated. Um, thank you for your time. <laughs> Ms. Brady, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your service. Thank you for instilling in your son that sense of service. And thank you for bringing his story and his memory to us. 20 years retired, the mom. And her son, Mo Hatham, died in the terrorist attack. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I knew I was, I was watching her. I was listening to her. I was pretty emotional hearing about this all yesterday. And I was not the only one feeling it. 
Alex Andrade, of course, is our state representative for District 2. He is on the committee. And the reason, by the way, that this is Michelle Rayner's bill is because Airman Haytham is from her district, right? Even though he died here, he's from her district, okay? So this was, um, they, you know, they don't really debate transportation designations, but that's maybe, but that's just the official name of when you want to discuss the bill. Representative Andrade, you recognize the debate. Thank you, Chair. Miss Brady, you don't, you don't know me. I don't believe we've ever met, but I have grieved for you. I have prayed for you, and I will never forget your son's name. I want to let you all know that Captain Kinsella was actually here in town today. And if I had looked at what the name that Representative Rayner was going to be honoring today, I would have made sure he was here in this room. He wanted to tell me that he loves you guys. He is praying for you guys, and he is here in spirit. And he'll be cheering on this bill. Thank you, Representative Rayner. Um, there were three <coughs> young men who died that day, but Mo was the only one from Florida. He was the youngest at 19, and I could not be prouder to be voting on this. So the chair of that particular committee is Fiona McFarlane, and, uh, well, a lot of military connection on this committee, a lot of connection geographically, and, well, here you hear what she has to say. Ms. Brady, your son uh, was with a classmate of mine from the Naval Academy that day. Um, he's a hero. He's a legend. Um, eternal father, strong to save. And is his name marks Gandy Bridge. I'm so glad this sailor is overlooking the water. Fair winds and following seas, Mo. And then Representative Rayner closed on the bill. Members. Mo exhibited exceptional heroism and bravery in the face of evil. And I think the least that we can do today is make sure his memory is honored. So I would ask for your favorable support. And, of course, the unanimous support for that. So that portion of the Andy Bridge uh, running between um, uh, Tampa and St. Pete is going to be renamed in honor of Airman Mohatham who died in the terrorist attack in uh, 2019 right here in Pensacola. 521 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. <coughs> oh, this cold. Honey. <laughs> honey. Honey. You need DayQuil Severe Honey. DayQuil Severe Honey gives you powerful cold and flu symptom relief with a honey-licious taste because life doesn't stop for a cold. Okay, I'm ready to go. <coughs> now I'm getting a cold. Honey. Try DayQuil Severe Honey for powerful cold and flu relief. DayQuil Severe with honey flavor. The daytime coughing, aching, stuffy head, fever, honey-licious, power through your day, medicine. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. You're all set with your Medicare prescriptions, Mrs. Brown. This is not just low-cost copays at Walgreens. I can actually help you set up 90-day refills if you want. This is having a partner you can trust. Get low-cost copays, 90-day refills, and delivery from your neighborhood Walgreens. This is being independent together. Walgreens. Restrictions apply. For details, see walgreens.com pharmacy. 
Gulf Coast businesses are set to lose over $10 million this month. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your Cybersecurity Tip of the Month. W-2s and 1099s are being sent out, and scammers are posing as both employees and employers to collect Social Security and bank account information. Be wary of requests asking to change address or bank information through email alone. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Visit datarevs.com for more information. News Radio 92.3 gets you live programming every day from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m. on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. citizens from Columbia County to review our charter and make changes to the charter. If they want term limits on, the, on our ballot, they, it can be on our ballot and they have all the right, the citizens of Columbia County have the right to vote for that. I don't think you should pull that right from the citizens of charter counties that are home rule counties. I think if 82% of the people was for this, then wouldn't be a problem having the people in that county vote for that. This is Rocky Ford. He's a county commissioner in Columbia County talking with uh, Michelle Salzman, the representative, our course representative for District 1, who's running the um, term limits bill that will impose term limits of 12 years on county commissioners, except for in those charter counties, because in charter counties they can have term limits, except for in those charter counties that have already created it at eight years, it would not supersede the lower limit. It had originally been an eight-year, but Mara told you last week that uh, the Senate sponsor wanted to push it up to 12 years, and so she said, we'll push it up to 12 years, make it 12 years for everybody. Of course, the last time we did a 12-year term limit for like the school board members, what happened the following year is it got bumped right down to eight. So will it stay at 12? Will it come down to eight? There's also a, it, we don't know, uh, there's also a piece that she says they're negotiating on maybe a carve-out or an exemption for small counties. Because one of the arguments against the bill is that small counties of, say, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 people or less would have more challenge finding qualified people who would really be great as county commissioners. And, you know, if a bigger county might have, you know, 20 people who would be great county commissioners, but a smaller county might have, you know, seven and you need five and they don't live in the right place and you kind of term limit them out. That's one of the arguments. Now, Rocky Ford is making the case that, look, people have the ability to, you know, do a charter review or become a charter county or vote in term limits now. Not in non-charter counties like ours in Santa Rosa, this game in Santa Rosa, but we could vote to become charter counties, certainly. And he's saying, look, don't take the right away from us that we've already got. Uh, Rich Templin from the AFL-CIO. It's kind of funny. The, um, <laughs> the chair of the committee introduced him as from the ALF-CIO. I'm like, brother. <laughs> you know? But anyway, his argument. When this bill was initially filed, it was filed as a joint resolution to allow the voters to vote. Now we're simply making this change through statute. I still don't understand why there hasn't been a case filed against the county of uh, the uh, school board bill that passed last year. For a decade, it was always filed as a joint resolution. Then someone said, well, let's just file it as a statute and see what happens. And now we're doing that 
here as well. Yeah, I I agree. I've said this many times now. Whatever you might think about term limits, yay or nay, it makes more sense that the individual county would impose them or not because some counties will want them and some counties will not. I don't understand why the state is feeling the need to preempt this to the state and impose this on everybody. And yet that's, of course, what we're doing. And I've communicated those concerns to uh, Representative Salzman. And so, you know, I, I don't like this bill. I oppose the bill. Now, I also have serious concerns about term limits themselves, although I think, you know, when it comes to Congress and the Senate, yes. When it comes to your local county commissioner, maybe. When it comes to other, you know, constitutional officers that are more of an administrative type, I think no. But, you know, we can have that debate. But at the very least, it ought to be decided by the people, either by a, a statewide referendum which I like okay, or by a county-by-county referendum, which that's great. That would put each county in the position of choosing for itself. I see this as a preemption bill, and I feel like we've done a lot of that in the last session. Um, I can say that people are frustrated, and I think that what's maybe more unpopular uh, or more has a bigger approval rating than term limits is probably um, people wanting to control their local communities. Right. Um, I think instead of sending a message to Washington, the message that's being sent is to small communities that Tallahassee is in charge of you. We decide how you're going to run. We decide how you're going to be elected. That's Rita Harris, representative. There's been a lot. This bill's been heard three times in the last week. I think it's it's through its third hearing now. If I am I if I'm counting correctly. Uh, now, Michelle Salzman made a very interesting argument in closing the bill. She said, you know, everybody is saying that all of their constituents want to keep the power to decide for themselves. You know, if people are going to give up the ability to elect somebody, that's what a term limit is, right? You you vote to declare we cannot vote for that person a third or, in this case, a fourth time, right? If people want to give up that power, well, let the people give that power up because the people aren't going to want to give that power up on their own. And she says, where's all the protests against this bill? The only people come testify against this bill are county commissioners. Where are all the people? The people will come and protest if they don't like something. They do it all the time. Where are they? Fair argument. Fair argument. Uh, So, you know, I think this will probably, this would pass a statewide referendum. I think it would pass a county-by-county referendum. So maybe in a certain way it's a bit moot to care whether it's by statute or by referendum. I just know that on principle, telling people they can't vote for somebody is very different from people deciding we won't let ourselves vote for somebody on our, you know, on our own vote, essentially. So 528 on news, I, nine, to, 9 to 6 it passed. I would expect this to pass out of uh, the House. I would expect this to become the law, and I would expect us to have 12-year term limits that only have partial retroactivity, by the way, uh, or maybe none when, by the time they get done with it. So people are going to be able to serve out their current term and then do a whole other 12 years. So this is going to change nothing in local politics for over a decade. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The nation's... First execution by nitrogen hypoxia is now in the hi- the history books. Convicted murderer Kenneth Smith was put to death in Alabama last night. An attorney for Smith had asked uh, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and Supreme Court to block the execution, uh, but that did not happen. New government data shows the U.S. economy grew faster than expected in the last quarter of 2023. The Commerce Department reported the country's gross domestic product increased by 3.3% year-over-year in the fourth quarter of last year. And the FAA says Boeing can once again fly its 737 MAX 9 planes. The agency just completed its safety review after the door plug incident. Uh, Airlines will be rolling the planes out over the next few days now. 
All right, David, thanks so much for the update. 5.30 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Coming up next, we spoke with uh, Pensacola Police Chief uh, Eric Randall yesterday for a pretty extensive period of time about a lot of things, including red light cameras and uh, the HB1 and HB3, the social media bills, and the Uvalde report and uh, several other things as well. So we'll get that coming up for you. And if you've never heard it, I know some of you have not, the Transgressors Memorial Service, where I pretend to be a woke pastor, Passing on things that had gotten canceled the last week at 6.20 this morning. You want to check that out if you haven't heard it before. Fox News, I'm C.J. Papa. Donald Trump and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. backing Texas in the border battle with President Biden. So far, Governor Abbott is showing no signs of caving to Biden's demands. Instead of giving control of the border back to federal agents, Texas is installing even more razor wire to crack down on the invasion. Fox's Brooke Singman reporting Texas has no plans to reopen Shelby Park today. 25 states, though, in lockstep with the Lone Star State. Since he's taken office, we've seen 10 million illegal migrants come into this country. Uh, it, that's, that's 10 times more than the population of our state, Montana. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte on the bottom line. A court in Moscow extends the pretrial detention of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich until March, meaning he will spend at least a year behind bars in Russia, picked up for spying. He and the U.S. government claims they are false. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3. Right now, 63 degrees, mostly cloudy skies, and happy Friday. The man who shot and killed his ex-girlfriend inside Pensacola Fitness almost two years ago has now been formally sentenced. 41-year-old Kenan Farrow's fate was already known when he decided to plead guilty in December to first-degree premeditated murder. Yesterday, he was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. From this day forward, the rot will begin. You will rot for the rest of your life in prison. You will never see another sunset, we will. You will never see another full moon, we will. You will never feel a cool breeze blow across your face, we will. That was Carla Williams' brother in the courtroom yesterday during the early morning hours of May 24th of 2022. Farrow walked into the gym while Williams was working out and fatally shot her. Two months before, Williams had been granted a temporary restraining order after Farrow had allegedly strangled her. Williams was a former basketball star and associate math professor at Pensacola State College. Florida House lawmakers advancing a bill to rename a roadway after a Navy airman killed in the NAS Pensacola terror attack. House Bill 841 would designate a portion of the Gandy Bridge on U.S. 92 in Pinellas County to be named Airman Moe Hatham Memorial Way. Moe decided to run to danger, and he did so to protect the lives of the people on the base. And right before he died, he was able to tell the deputies where the killer was. So he could they so the killer could be apprehended. Representative Michelle Rayner told the House Transportation Subcommittee that Airman Haytham grew up in the area. He, along with Ensign Joshua Watson and Airman Apprentice Cameron Walters, were killed during the shootings. A University of Central Florida student is accused of threatening Jewish students. UCF police say 21-year-old Saif Asi directed death threats at three students this week as they were planting small Israeli flags in the ground. Those flags were meant to represent those killed by Hamas since October 7th. Police say Asi told the students he was going to kill them. 
He's charged with intimidation and making credible threats to a person wearing a religious item. Santa Rosa County's legislative delegation is polling the bill that sought to create a consolidated water utility coalition in the northern part of the county. It's very disappointing to know that some of our county commissioners actually were involved in some of those workings long before we knew what was going on. But Robert Smith and the Water Board Coalition, thank you so much for getting this information out to the citizens so we could bombard calls to Tallahassee and we could get this fixed. Sherry Chapman, one of the most vocal opponents to that proposal. Senator Doug Broxton had filed the bill. It would have created the North Santa Rosa County Regional Utility Authority, similar to the ECUA. Uh, It would have required the nine water utilities in northern Santa Rosa County to be under one authority. It's 534 News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast this morning. We are going to be seeing scattered showers and thunderstorms throughout the late morning and afternoon. Temperatures warming up near 70 degrees overnight tonight. Temperatures dropping near 60 degrees. High rain chance does continue as you go into your Saturday. Temperatures warming up into the 70s once again. Overnight Saturday night, temperatures dropping back into the 50s. For Sunday, sunshine will start to return. We will have dry conditions with a high near 57. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV Weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. And right now it's 63 in Pensacola, 62 in Gulf Breeze, and 62 in Milton. Your next news at 6. And breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. When you need to know. As a mayor, with city council meetings, boards, etc., is it ever a topic to survey on how you can give money back to citizens by lowering costs or taxes? Pensacola Mayor D.C. Reeves took your questions on a News Radio 92.3 town hall meeting. Obviously, that you know you would hear in a council meeting if that has uh, been a conversation. But I, I guess the bigger question is, how do we figure out how we treat the taxpayer money? When you need to know, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Join Stephen Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College for Boat Smart on the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 10 a.m. Key Marine sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. Have a boating question for Stephen? Then give us a call at 437-1620. It's a dream team, so join them today at 10 a.m. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 a.m. 1620. Here's what's happening around Pensacola this week. The Milton Mardi Gras Parade is Saturday night, rolling at 5 o'clock from Milton High School. Catch the beads, then join in the after party with food trucks, kids' activities, live music, and more. See crewofairshippirates.com. The third annual Pensacola Poth de Gras event downtown on Garden Street is Sunday from 11 to 4, a day filled with lots of paws and family fun. Visit pensacola.com for more. Submit your events at newsradio923.com. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening, whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, at Barnes Feed Store. All the big national news in a conversation with Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins from 11 till 2 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable.
I've got a couple questions about the uh, public safety, the, the right-of-way ordinance. Uh, it, it goes into effect five days after, like, like all ordinances do, uh, which will be Thursday, January 25th. Um, I know our obviously our PPD and officers are aware of this and will be um, uh, you know out enforcing it. We are going to do uh, as other communities have done with similar ordinances. We're going to do a grace period to just make sure that folks who don't understand the rule, you know, we're not uh, you know trying to play gotcha with anybody. Uh, that we're going to do a 30-day grace period. So um, so we might be writing warnings or be giving warnings out uh, for those 30 days for folks that may not have heard the news. So that was uh, Alex Andrade. Or sorry, Alex. That was D.C. Reeves, the mayor of Pensacola, of course, talking during his uh, press conference on Tuesday before we did the town hall on Wednesday with him. That you heard Steve Wine. Uh, they're talking about over the course of the intro there, but uh, and the news in, in, before that. But yesterday we had a good chance to talk uh, at length. We don't always have Eric Randall on because uh, he actually prefers the public information officer Mike Wood to do it. And uh, you know, you all know Mike. And we talk with him all the time. But uh, since we we're talking about some of these, you know fairly administrative, big subject kind of things that are more the chief's purview than the public information officer's purview. I asked Eric to be on the show, so we talked to Chief Randall yesterday. Chief, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Hey, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Pensacola. Good morning. Um, Glad to be here again. Yeah, good to have you. It's been a minute. It's good to have you back on. Um, So let's just talk first about that. This uh, public safety ordinance, is that basically the plan? Is it we're going to do, because that's today, you know, it's in effect today. So for the next 30 days, we're going to do warnings. And then after that, we can start uh, making arrests or writing citations if need be. Oh, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, it's like with any new ordinance, um, things like that. We we like to do a um, 30-day, at least a 30-day grace period um, to, to provide public education uh, on a new ordinance that's come, come out because, you know, it's dangerous to use to be out in the public right away. I mean, there's so many crashes that we have, um, you know, vehicles, you know, crashing, and sometimes, you know, when that, that, that motion in a crash may send a vehicle up into the meeting and onto the sidewalk. So it's dangerous for people to be um, sitting there in the public right away. Does this ordinance being passed give your officers a feeling of relief? Thank goodness, now we can do something um, more challenge. Kind of, what's been the department reaction to this ordinance? You know, this has been one of those things that um, you know we we deal with we deal with all the time. You know, um, we we've had accidents in the past where you know pedestrians been been injured from things of that nature. So, you know, any new ordinance that that helps us. You know, provide a better public uh, safety for the public is something that's that's very, very, very rewarding. And um, yes, I'm, I'm, the staff is is excited about things that can help enhance public safety in the community, reduce accident, reduce crashes with injuries and things of that nature. Because it's all about making sure you know the community stays safe in all aspects of it. The uh, city council also passed the red light camera ordinance. Uh, I know the mayor said that uh, we're waiting for some things to not happen in Tallahassee, and when that happens, we can go forward with installation. But uh, what is the plan right now with regards to the red light cameras at those select intersections and access ways? So um, we got we got the ordinance passed. We've got the um, the, the the service agreement that that's moving through the process. Um, what happens after that? There is. Um, a timeline for equipment installation with different, you know, um, uh, approvals for um, um, things that you know the contractor will need from from F dot and all that stuff, and in, in, in order to in order to install the the equipment. So uh, we guesstimate uh, about a three to six month process if all the approvals and and, and things that go uh, the way they should be going because it's not the first time it's been done in in, a, in the community. But it's a new community, so um, there are a lot of different things that we have to look at at those 
those uh, those approaches that we had selected. Will it be progressive? Like we'll get one intersection goes live and then another intersection goes live as they gradually install the equipment, or will it be all at once on those approaches that are going to be part of the program? Well, the plan is to to to, to go all at once, but it depends on you know how long installation and approvals will take. You know, if, if one intersection is moving, um, one approach, you know, group of approaches are moving a lot faster than another group of pro- approaches. You know, sometimes you can't you can't predict what kind of challenges you may have from environment and things of that nature. So, um, you know, we like to go all live at the same time, but if there are factors that you know lengthen the other approaches, then we'll we'll re- reevaluate that. But there'll be proper signage and things of that nature that, that will be installed in our public another public information campaign. So they'll be probably be well aware when the thing goes live. And the PPD officer's eyes will confirm every single citation before it goes out, right? Yes, sir. It has to be confirmed by a, um, a law enforcement officer. Yes, sir. And do you happen to know, I don't know, do you happen to know the amount of the tickets? I thought it was maybe in the $150 range, but I don't remember for sure. Do you happen to know offhand? Yes, sir. It's uh, currently it's a hundred hundred fifty eight dollar um, okay. citation. Okay. Uh, one of the things I definitely wanted to talk with you about, I've been talking with all of our law enforcement officials, both sheriffs in both counties this week, is the report on the Uvalde shooting that came out last week. Uh, you know, it just looks like they could not have found more things to do wrong, and of course, it's a horrible outcome for the students uh, and the teachers. And it's just, it's a terrible thing all around. But, of course, your job is to learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, what have you learned from or what did you see in that report that caught your attention? You know, Andrew, um, this is a very, very detailed report. Um, I think it's like 160, 170 pages long. Um, it gives a lot of the things that they did wrong, a lot of recommendations, and a lot of things that um, they need to improve on. You know, there are eight key areas that they 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 hit on you know incident timeline tactics and equipment leadership incident command coordination post incident response and investigation on well, public communication um, that became very critical in in that particular uh, incident because you had uh, so many people speaking about the incident and um, there was a lot of uh, miscommunication a lot of erroneous information had to go back and provide corrections you know one of the things from a public communication standpoint that RPIO Mike Wood has done and does every year is beginning of the year he sends out a media blast to kind of set the, the ground rules for um, should, you know, God forbid we experience a, a major incident, a critical incident in Pensacola. You know, here, these are the things that we are going to be able to do. These are the things that we're not going to do. Um, you're going to have to contact uh, this person. Information is going to be updated this particular way. We'll have a briefing here, here and there. You know, we'll set up joint information centers. But from a leadership and um, incident command standpoint, there's a lot, lot to to take away from there. Um, you know, I, you know, as the chief, and, and working with you know the sheriff and both both of the counties here, uh, have full confidence that you know you won't see something like that here in Pensacola. Um, you know, our law enforcement are steadfast, are committed, and they're going to do what they need to do to to ensure public safety and, and take care of the threat. Um, stop a bit should an incident like that happen. But there's a lot of takeaways from here. And I encourage you know everyone in the community to take a take a lead on this because we all have a responsibility when it comes to a critical incident because there are a number of services that come to play post incident as well because um, you know even though the incident has happened you know it can still be ongoing multiple operating periods multiple days weeks months because of the post uh, post investigative and trauma things and you know family reunification and things of that nature that have to come into play. 
No, and I appreciate all those notes about the communication because I thought that was a major takeaway from the report as well. And uh, you know, I, I know Mike goes to all of these seminars and learns all of the and learns from the good and bad practices that are out there and brings that back to the department. So I appreciate you uh, talking about that because that is such an important part of it. And also, um, I just I don't know the answer. I'm kind of curious about this, but. I am assuming that you and, you know, Escambia County Sheriff, Santa Rosa County Sheriff, Gulf Breeze, that if there were a major incident like this, basically everybody in both counties comes to the problem, just like at NAS Pensacola. It's outside the city, but the city goes to help at least for traffic enforcement. I assume that's true. The one thing I'm not sure about, you tell me if I'm wrong, but the one thing I'm not sure about is I don't know how often PPD participates, specifically PPD participates in school shooter drills i know escambia does it fairly frequently is that something that ppd outside the swat team that the you know general officers do as well oh yeah yeah we um we've done we've done a training not so long ago um I think last summer um with with the schools when well, we incorporated school staff um incorporated the fire department um, we did something unique where we're working inside um the, the what we call the one zone where we're you know evacuating injured into the one zone you know exposing you know different groups of people to the um, you know active threat environment, what to expect, how police respond. So we we do it in a number of different environments. Like I said, we did it at, did it in school, uh, very realistic training, utilizing volunteers, a lot of the volunteers from the community to get them exposed to you know what law enforcement they you know, they play role players, but they were exposed to how law enforcement would respond as well. Uh, it was very very um, good training, and we continue to to put that on and work with our school districts and all our businesses around the community uh, as well. Very good. That's and that's that's kind of what I figured. I just wanted to be. I wanted people to hear it from you, you know, which I think is an important thing. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Chief, is uh, HB one and HB three just got passed in the House yesterday. They're expecting Senate cooperation and the governor to sign them, hopefully. But HB one is the social media ban for anybody under the age of sixteen, regulated media social media access for sixteen and seventeen, and then an age verification for everybody eighteen and up. And uh, HB three is the one that requires age verification eighteen and up to be able to access online pornography through an actual age verification, not just a, hey, are you 18? Click yes. Um, my question for you is, it's my perception that this is the kind of bill that basically law enforcement, especially prosecutors, would love and are in support of, uh, support of this. I just want to know from you, how much of your job, do you support those bills, and how much of your job would be easier if kids did not have access to social media? Andrew, I, I tell you, these are these are very very good bills from what I can what I can read on them. I tell you, you know, our kids spend so much time on on social media. I mean, you go anywhere and you just you just just stop. I challenge anyone just stop and look around the room and see, you know, how people are on their phones, kids specifically on their phones on social media. You know, there's so many things that that come on social media. So many dangers exposed to a lot of different things. Um, there's, there's there are many many cases uh, of kids being bullied on social media because. It's almost like people can be a completely different person on social media than they can be in real life. Yeah. So you got that environment that that creates a whole different society, and um, and the dangers that come with that. And so, um, you know, less screen time and, and more face-to-face time I, I, my, is my philosophy, where people can have that human interaction versus this this interaction on the phone and the dangers of social media. Um, and now you got, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, and things of that nature. So you never know who you're talking to and all the different algorithms that are, are, are tracking our, our children and, 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 and sending them down this dangerous road that could be detrimental to, 
to to their lives and things of that nature. Oh yeah, no, the access to advertising, the the algorithm abuse, the tracking of children, the use of their personal information. I mean, those are things I haven't even talked about in connection with this bill, but are also, as you said, you know, major issues. And I appreciate that comment about creating a totally different society that is itself problematic. Uh, Chief Eric Randall from Pensacola Police Department. Chief, thank you so much for the time this morning. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on so many of these important issues. I appreciate it. And as, as always, I appreciate what you do to help our, our community be safer. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Absolutely. 550 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. If you're thinking about buying a home, buying a first home, buying another home, buying a rental, you know, maybe, or selling if you've got, you know, you already have and you want to sell and you want to move up or move down. I mean, that's also a possibility. Uh, talk to Christina Leavenworth and her team at Love and Rinky Realty. They're fantastic. They sold 175 homes last year. That's pretty impressive. I mean, that's impressive, period. Also extra impressive for somebody that's only been doing this for about seven years. <laughs> I always find that amazing. Now, maybe... In your situation, I don't know, everybody's different, but maybe in your situation, what's been holding you back from even talking to a realtor is you and your other kind of disagree about what you want to do. And maybe that disagreement could be resolved by talking to somebody who really knows what's going on. You know, have Christina in, find out what you can afford, where you could have, you know, the new home or whatever it is, especially if you're buying for the first time. Like, that's kind of a thing. Sometimes people are reluctant because it's a big process, right? It's a big decision. But have her come in and talk to you, and maybe you'll both decide, you know what, now is not the right time. Maybe you'll both be like, oh, my God, we should definitely do this. Please help us. And she will. She would be great for helping you as a first-time home buyer. I wish we could have had her as the first time we were buying a home. In any case, uh, whatever the hang-up might be, or even no hang-up, just want to talk to somebody about real estate. She loves meeting new people. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Leavenrinky Realty. Hey, this is Dr. Ben McMillan. I do a show on the Pensacola Expert Panel. We talk about your health problems. Let me educate you about the Activator Method of Adjusting, which offers a safe and effective alternative to traditional manual adjustments. So whether you've been hurt in a car accident or have been suffering from back or neck pain, chiropractic care could be your solution and not just a temporary fix. Join me this morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 is accepting applications for employment. Periodically, we have openings in sales, business, news, promotions, engineering, production, and programming. We'll keep your application for consideration when such an opening occurs. We also provide internships for qualified students. Apply online at News Radio 92.3 or at our studios at 7251 Plantation Road between 8.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. ADX Communications is an equal opportunity employer. This message is sponsored by the Florida A&M University Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Mary on Demand is live. Start your marijuana education journey today. Learn at your own pace and check out the Medical Marijuana Education Series. You decide what you'd like to learn and win with Mary on Demand. Visit mary.famu.edu. That's M-M-E-R-I.F-A-M-U.edu. And remember, recreational marijuana is still illegal in Florida. Marry, educate, learn, talk. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. Excellent. Carolina 
President Tim Scott, who looks like someone drew Ving Rhames with their eyes closed, endorsed Donald Trump. But remember, most Trump supporters only count him as three-fifths of an endorsement. Oh, boy. Wow. wow. But that's Michael Che. That's uh, that's typically where he's going to go from Weekend Update at Saturday Night Live. Of course, that was four days, five days ago now. But, hey, it's all right. Still, uh, I hadn't had a chance to get to the joke. There were... Um, uh, there were a couple that I thought were pretty funny. I mean, that one's its funny in a way. Uh, but there were a couple that I thought were particularly funny. A new startup company is developing a male contraceptive that involves one injection that will prevent pregnancy for 10 years. So get ready for an exciting future of taking the man's word for it. like <laughs> 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 good joke. <laughs> I don't- I love the after stuff a lot of times with him because, you know, it's, oh, it's going to be that kind of audience, right? Or, oh, that's the one you don't like. Okay, fine. All right. A Volvo crashed through the front of a Whole Foods in a Maryland suburb. It was an accident so white that everyone's insurance went down. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and this one, I feel bad for laughing at this one, but I'm telling you, this one has made me laugh every time I have listened to it. Tesla owners are complaining that during the sub-zero temperatures that swept through the country, they couldn't get their cars to charge. But on the plus side, they were able to stay warm in the battery fires. (laughs) (laughs) And last one, I promise, uh, Colin Joes. A new study suggests that men are better than women at using a map, while women are better at sitting silently for the rest of the car ride after you tell them that. Well done, gentlemen. 555 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The International Court of Justice is expected to rule today on South Africa's claim that Israel is committing genocide in Gaza. The U.N. judges won't be deciding if genocide has occurred, but will rule on South Africa's call for emergency measures against Israel. New York Daily News staff apparently staged a walkout yesterday to protest cuts by the newspaper's owners, Alden Global Capital. About 40 members of uh, their news union were on the picket line. And George Carlin's estate is suing the creators of a new AI-generated comedy special on YouTube that apparently replicates the uh, late comedian's voice. The YouTube special is called I'm Glad I'm Dead. When I was growing up, we had a bunch of classes. Uh, Upper class, upper middle class, middle class, lower middle class, and lower class. And if you worked hard, really dedicated yourself to learning something, a trade or a skill, and you got good at it, you could move up a rung or two on the ladder. But even if you didn't, you could still get by, still feed your family, still have a place to live. But those days are long gone, folks. Can't climb the ladder anymore because the people who made it to the top kicked it over. I should specify that's not the funniest clip I could find, but it's the only one without profanity that I can oh, find. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really sound it like him. Sound no, like it sounds him. it sounds no. the cadence is not right and no. the content is horrible. Yeah. I mean, um, he, he AI, would be embarrassed so. to have a joke like that said in his name. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe so, so. too. Uh, Kelly Carlin manages his estate. She posted on uh, X yesterday that there was no permission granted for that special, so they're going to go after that in court. And, and what, what I said about this at the time, and I still maintain, is if what they had done was take, for example, an audio recording and, you know, reworked that with video to accompany it to show him delivering the lines but were in his voice and his cadence. I wouldn't mind that so much. 
Or even if they had found some kind of a, like script or notes that he had written, you know, uh, and put that to an AI voice or so, you know, if the, there there are ways I could see this being within the realm of okay, but this is terrible, and yeah. this this should not be done to somebody when they're dead. That you should be writing jokes in their name that they. I mean, it's just, it's it's abuse of a dead person is what it is. Abuse it's disgusting. Yeah. All right, David. Thanks so much for the update. Five fifty eight on News Radio ninety two three. Oh, Santa Rosa County Commission meeting yesterday was a uh, a gripping affair. Thank you all for coming. Sorry it was such a short meeting and you drove all the way down here, but we appreciate you coming. The meeting's adjourned. 11, me- 11 minutes. <laughs> 11 minutes, including one speaker, Sherry Chapman. And that was it. I mean, I was surprised it even took 11 minutes, but, you know, just nothing. They did nothing. I mean, they, they approved the agenda. They approved they were all consent items. There was no real discussion. There was only, I think the only thing that took any time was discussion about, um, you know, just clarification on what they were doing with one of the water decisions. It didn't have anything to do with the South, the uh, North Santa Rosa Utilities bill getting canceled. So, uh all right. I mean, hey, that's, I think that's a record. I think that might be a record for all meetings of all types in the area. I'm not sure. I, But, you know, it's certainly got to be in the top three, right? 437-1620. That is my phone number if you want to weigh in. Um, oh, a uh, Marine General is raising the alarm that the Navy does not have adequate functional amphibious vessels to carry Marines to global emergencies. So used to be we didn't have enough Marines and we had ships. And then they stopped paying attention to the ships. Now we have enough Marines and we don't have the ships. It's great. Great. You're listening to News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.